Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces podcast, episode 308. Um, and today, a change to the scheduled entertainment. Is that what they say on TV when things change? I'm joined t- today by Rob Alton. I know I said last week that this week's episode was going to be Rosie Marcel, but we've had some slight issues with some kind of exclusive stuff and news that is broken on that episode that um it's kind of been realized that we might not be allowed to break just yet so we're looking at rather than like we don't want to edit it so we're looking at when we can release it so that we can keep it raw but we might have to edit something down the line i don't know but instead this week as said we've got rob alton and any of you who've followed me for a long time will know that rob alton is one of my favorite humans in the world um rob alton is a poet and comedian whenever i go to the edinburgh fringe his is the one show that i have to catch if i can only catch one show it will be rob's um i just I, i i love him and i love his mind and i love this conversation that we had but before we get into it i'm gonna give you a little treat because i've not cleared this with rob at all or with ben at plosive but um rob was on a was part of a multi-episode a year or two ago and i've been wanting to have him on to have a full chat with him for ages and he's turned me down a few times (laughs) even though he's a mate and i've released at home with rob alton which is a cd or digital download poetry album at speech development records.com but he'd, he's not he's not fancied it up until now or he's not felt it was the right time but now is the right time because on january 1st 2020 R- rob alton started the rob alton daily podcast and it's exactly as it sounds it's a podcast every day for this whole year and the cool thing is that's that their own because that might you might think i've not got time for to listen to the same person every day but it's they're they're like two three minute long poems some of them are longer like we talk about it a bit in the podcast but it's not the sole thing that we talk about that's the reason we're doing it now but but it's not the the uh, the sole thing that we talk about we recorded this just before christmas or was it in between christmas and new year i think it was just before christmas and we had a really good chat, man. It was beautiful. In fact, actually, we talk about it. We recorded it the, the day after the election result came in. But we don't talk about po- politics loads either. But we talk about the world and outlooks and everything. It's a, Honestly, it's one of my favourite chats and you're going to love it. But because of the podcast being out, and as I said, we do talk about it a bit. But I wanted to give you a real taste of what it is because it's been a highlight of my year obviously when we're talking about on the podcast i've not heard any of it yet but listening to rob's podcast i I listen every every morning i download it and at some point in the morning i take a couple of minutes to take it in and it's like yeah it's a beautiful mood enhancer so i wanted to play you um what one of them i've not i said i've not cleared this with rob or with Ben at Plosive. Ben, the producer, also does Off Menu. Um, Yeah, it's great. So we will go into the podcast, but before we drop the theme tune, um, this is... uh, Let me have a look at which uh, which one I should should play. Because they've, as said, I'm I'm not even kidding. They've been my absolute highlight. 
So we're going to give you the poem because, you know, it jumps straight into the poems. So, yeah, we're going to give you episode six from January 6th and it's called Water Again. And this all because I know that people often listen or there's more i'm rambling so much you're going to have skipped this there's more listeners at the first half of a podcast than there is at the last half because of the nature of journeys and so on and so forth so so i wanted to give you a sample of this and then hear our conversation hear rob explain it hear his beautiful mind at work So, so this is episode 308 of the distraction pieces podcast but before that this is a little grab i mean it's the whole episode This episode was three minutes long. So yeah, this is episode six of the Rob Alton Daily Podcast. Water again. What is water? Water is the smell of a pint of orange cordial before you've added the cordial. Similar in taste to the broken pelvis of a melted snowman. The backbone of a snowflake. The unsalted tear of a poodle, the elbow of a puddle, the heartbeat of all wetness, ground softener for the trowels, purpose giver to the towels, transporter of pills, can't travel up hills, spacious housing estate without walls for some lucky lucky fish, sometimes gives people a license to throw a coin in and make a wish, mother nature's womb, for the frog's spawn Wet film set For the frog's pawn Water Something for the ducks To have a little float on Somewhere for a pirate To sail a little boat on Water Hype man for the bubble bath Pop, 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 pop Guaranteed to make the babies laugh Bath time equals laugh time Yeah When you're young Not so much anymore for me I have showers, I don't have toys Me standing still in the shower Holding a yellow plastic duck Would just be sad now When I was little I got put in the bath With my sister and my cousins I don't know how Water Arch enemy of the Dyson Airblade Gave a home to a Disney mermaid Aerial Aerial mixed with water makes your clothes clean If you've got a washing machine Water The driving force behind all damp and rust. If you paint a picture of the earth from space, include the blue bits. Yes, you must. Transparent, temperamental, faceless monster that will take your life if you give it chance. On the other hand, inspires quite creative things like the 1994 Eurovision Song Contest interval performance of the river dance. Water. Playground for the dolphins. I saw the list of the top 100 things to do before you die for dolphins. Swim with humans was not on it. Number one on the list was meat flipper. Water, the opposite of pastry. Soup, for people who don't like ingredients or soup. Oil rejector, plant erector, thirst corrector, without water... We'd be eating tea bags, would we? What would a cup of tea be if water didn't exist? Tea bag in a mug. Would there be a mug? No. Would there be a tea bag? No. Would there be a kettle? No. Would there be a work surface? No. Without water, what would there be? 
a need for water. I am recording. Uh, let me just see. The red bit is the front. So if okay. you have that in your okay. direction in yeah, general. Yeah. Um, I'm here with Rob Alton. How are you, sir? All right, Pip. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. And it's exciting because th- this, I, I realised on the way over, this is the exact microphones and mixing desk and everything that we recorded your uh, spoken word album on. Yeah, yeah. That I turned up at your house. Yeah. I set it all up, yeah, and then I went to see a film. I think did you? Yeah, and then I came back, and you'd finished an album. Yeah, I know. I recognise them actually since you've I've just seen a logo on the front of it. And, yeah, uh, yeah, I know that was great. That and I took a picture of the microphones, and uh, yeah, loved it. It was weird, wasn't it? I enjoyed that because that was uh, I did one with Polar Bear as well. Yeah, because I think spoken word is something that <laughs> it's tough to capture on recording. Mm. I've not heard that many great recordings of live gigs that that really capture the live gig, but it was Polar Bear's idea to do one just sitting in his living room and make it that you're not trying to capture live gig. You're just going, is me poems. Yeah, brilliant. And it worked amazingly. And I thought yours did as well, because it's just, it makes it more conversational and intimate. Yeah. I think the best thing about that was that um, it's not often where you get to just um, sit down on your own and read your own book out to yeah. yourself. <laughs> yeah. It kind of um, yeah. tests you to see whether you like your own stuff or not. Yeah. And um, I'm all for that. If you can kind of um, get onto the front line of yourself and be and say, okay, right, how much do I like this? If you're going to sit down for, what, like 80 minutes with your own books and just read your own stuff. Yeah. And it's just you in the room. And the thing is, is that, what I mean, it's happened to me a few times where I end up just saying, "Oh yeah, I do like this actually. Yeah, I do, I do like these what I've written, and I, I guess that's maybe because a lot of the stuff that I have ideas for and do write down, uh, there's a lot that get chucked away. Right. So it's only the um, the ones that well, it's weird, isn't it? You know, when you have an idea and you think it's going to test the, stand the test of time. You know, they normally, they do. I'm not saying, I'm not not really, I'm not that old, but I mean, I've been doing it for 10 years. So if I've, if I've been doing, uh, I don't know, right, you're going to have to cut that bit. <laughs> no, it's fine. We can leave that in. I think you're completely right though, because it makes you realise what you like about your own stuff and what has motivated you to write that stuff rather than just what an audience responds to. Yeah. And with spoken word in particular, I always remember talking to Kate Tempest about this and or, or Moose Rotwonga was a great example as well they both had really good outlooks on how stagecraft can be a, a safety net mm. because if you deliver it in a certain way it can cover up if it's not that good yeah. and if you end on a if you end on a that was a really good bit type delivery then people sometimes just, just believe it without yeah. actually listening and going was that good? Or have I just been caught up in the performance of the way you've ended it that I'm like, yes, that was amazing. And I think that reading it to yourself for yourself in a way makes you go, 
well, that bit was good, but the other bit, I've just been, I've been tricking them on that. I've been mm. making them believe that was better than it is. Yeah, which is half the battle, isn't it? But the thing is with, um, I've uh, got so many memories from different gigs of um, just, I remember I was doing a gig in um, at Edinburgh in the roundabout venue. Yeah. Um, it's like a spaceship inside. And um, I was doing this piece and I just, I don't know, I can remember it so vividly. I was saying it the same way that I'd said it before, but I was thinking about something else in my head. So I wasn't even bothered whether the audience were there or not. Yeah. And it got so much more of a, of a reaction. Right. Like they would, it wasn't like a massive, like cheering or whatever, but they just laughed in such a different way. Wow. And that's what does my head in so much about it because every time you stand up on stage, you're not really in control. No. Because it's all so fluid and it's like, and you're like, well, I'm going to try, but I might start thinking about this. And then there's all the thing of like, what are the audience going to do? What are they going to be thinking about? Yeah. So you're like, right, okay, well, it's all up for grabs. So here we go. Let's just try it. And I was, I was saying this thing and because I think it was because I wasn't trying to be funny or I wasn't like spelling it out for them. It was just like, it was just like a throwaway comment. Yeah. But because the idea that I had was strong enough, maybe, maybe they were like, they wanted to come to me. Yeah, because I, yeah, had, yeah, yeah. I had no investment in the delivery of it whatsoever. Yeah. They were like, no, actually, what you've just said is good. So here you go. We want to let you know that that stuff that you're not bothered about, which I totally am. But yeah. it was just that, just that. And I'm sure you have memories of gigs where you're just like, why are they reacting like that? Yeah. Or they can like all be crossing their arms and like, no, come on. I'm doing exactly the same as I did last night. And that was a really good one. And this is crap. Yeah. And you're just like, I'm going to have to stop saying like, but <laughs> it is the way, that is the way of it. And that's the thing with live performance for me is that it just is an untamable beast. Yeah. But I guess the more, the more you do it and the, you know, I'm going into next year, I'm going to be doing a lot of gigs and I know that some of them are going to be all right. Some of them are going to be really bad and some of them, hopefully the audience will have a good time and I'll have a good time and they'll both match up. Yeah. But that's very rare that, isn't it? It's what keeps it interesting though. And people often ask, like uh, when I used to tour a lot, and particularly with music, because of the way we worked, it wasn't a live band. It was Dan Lissac doing it all live, but still it had to be in order. We'd play the same set list most nights mm. on, on this particular tour. Yeah. And people would be like, well, does that not get boring? It's like, no, because it's a different crowd every night. Mm. They're reacting in different places. It feels different. If you can keep yourself in tune with that. Again, the, the problem I think with touring can be that you do get into that automated process and you're no longer aware. But that's the beautiful thing that you just described, that one of the times you got into that and you were just churning that line out the way you've churned it out every time, the the audience is still there to go, no, no, no. Mm. It's not just the same. We're different. It, it's not the same as last night. It's not the same as the night before. Yeah. And that's got its positives and its ne negatives because, as you say, you can absolutely nail it and not get the reaction. Yeah. And that must be hard or harder when you've got comedy elements. Yeah. Because then the, the reaction to music 
is far more bland. <laughs> it's cheer or don't cheer. Mm. Re- re- whereas the reaction to comedy is a huge variation of laughters, types of laughter, n- n- no laughter, yeah. giggles, smirks. Mm. And that's a that's a tougher thing to... Yeah, isn't it? I think that's balance. interesting what you're saying about um, being in tune with it. Like, because when you are... if It's very difficult. Say if I'm a, a musical instrument, say a guitar, I don't know whether I'm in tune or not. Yeah. And you just stand up in front of an audience and some days I go on stage and I feel like shit. And I'm probably, yeah, a bit out of tune. But unfortunately, I don't really know how to... You can't just change a few, like twiggle your ears a bit and get yourself in tune. You've just got to, it's, I think that's what I'm always saying about it all being just up for grabs and a risk and so fluid is that because of the humanity of us all, when a good gig is good and I feel like the audience, myself and the audience go on a journey together, mm-hmm. it's such a, um, just, it just feels like magic because the, the chances of that happening are really slim. Yeah. And especially when with comedy and things like that, because it's almost like an obstacle course when they're doing all that thing on them. What is it? Takishi's castle. Yeah. 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 Where you need to jump onto a platform. And if you just make it like it's about the skin of your teeth or you just make it to the next sentence without someone coughing or something like that. Yeah. And you're like, yes, boom, boom, boom. Right. We'll get to this bit, this bit, this bit, this bit. And, um, or like Tarzan, like swinging from the, vines you know like going if i can get to this bit i'll get to this bit i'll get to this bit i'll get to this bit and that, that was it when i started doing um longer shows or hour-long shows when i i would try and lift the audience up at the start and then get to the end and then drop them at the end but to keep that energy up yeah it's just brutal isn't it it's really difficult it really is and that takeshi's castle analogy is is a great one i also think i always would watch ninja warrior Right. is one of the ones I'd watch. And the first obstacle looks quite easy. Not easy, but 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 easier than some of the ones that are to come. Mm. And it always feels the more heartbreaking when people slip on that one. Because it's like you've almost discarded that. And that can be the same with live. You know that it is this series of obstacles, but you could slip on that first one. And it's like, how did I slip on that? Yeah. That's kind of... Now it's over. Totally, yeah. Now it's done, and I've just got to get through the rest of this. I've mm. slipped on that first bit that's the easy bit that I know so well. Exactly. But because I was so focused on the salmon ladder or mm. the rings of doom or whatever, because I was so focused on that l- later on, I've I've slipped on the bit that I know that is my bread and butter that I've been doing for years, and yeah. and it's all it's all gone. That is one of the most infuriating things when you've got a bit and you know it's coming up. And uh, you just throw it in a different way and the audience don't catch it, you know. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, damn, what, what was I thinking? Then what was I thinking about? Why, why couldn't I? But then I think back to that thing where I wasn't thinking, it went okay. And then and then the sponsor, spontaneity of the moment as well. And just when, when little glimpses happen and you, one of the most poisonous things that I can get in my brain is, oh, this is going to be funny, I'm going to say this. Because if you do that, then you're just a bit of a smart-ass, really. Yeah. It's yeah. like being in a, being in a um, conversation with your friends around the, on a table in a pub and you try and make a smart joke. People are just like, what are you doing? Yeah. This isn't in yeah. the moment. What, have you prepared that? Are you performing? Yeah, no, exactly. Well, that's out. the thing. 
Because when people go to your show, when people go to the shows, they're like, well, you do, you're just showing off. This doesn't seem very authentic. Yeah. And whereas it's so difficult to get past that and to, to work so hard with the material to, to, um, I've got a photo of something where it says, um, to express, not to impress. Yeah. And I stand by that. Like you just got to try and get what's inside of you outside yeah. instead of going, look what I've got everybody. The, 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 uh, it's weird that you mention that. Cause I, I was listening to a podcast y- yesterday, a Brett Goldstein's films be buried with podcast, mm. which I love. It's on the network. And I messaged him to say it was one of my f- favorites. It was, with a comedian called Fergus Craig, who I wasn't aware of, but I said it was one of my favourites, and Brett was a bit surprised, because it's not the biggest name on there, it's someone who's good, but he kind of pushed me on it, it was like, why did you like it? I want to know what, and the thing that I came to was that they were making each other laugh, but but neither of them was showing off, or trying, or trying to perform, Mm. they were just, it was just really nice two mates talking and just being on the same wavelength. And I love hearing people amuse each other. It's one of the most beautiful things is laughter, is genuine laughter. And the thing that made it so compelling as a standout episode was, yeah, it wasn't, I'm going on a podcast, I've got my bits, I've prepared my, oh, my, my, my moments. Doing? So it was it was that, it was just, here it was, just two guys just going, and it was really funny. I laughed loads, but that was the beauty of the laughter. Mm. It wasn't that. Yeah, it's funny with podcasts, though, isn't it? Because I'm not kind of sat here thinking, I've got my bits, but <laughs> I'm trying to think of things. To, well, I'm not trying to think of things to say, but you've got to say something, haven't you? It's a weird balance, man, because I also only realised in recent years, it was after watching a show called Nathan For You, mm. it kind of highlighted to me that the, the thing that people are meant to do on 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 TV shows, on, on, on late night shows and stuff like that, the big Hollywood stars have their anecdotes yeah, yeah, and they go out and they'll do it on Jimmy Kimmel and then they'll come over here and they'll do, do the same an- anecdote on Graham Norton and they're perfectly right to do so. <laughs> do you know what I mean? If, if you, if you're in that, in front of that big an audience, it's fair to go, here's my funny story. Mm. It feels completely alien to me and I've never had any of that, but I can also see, yeah, the complete reason. If Graham Norton has 3 million view- viewers, if you were doing a gig and you had 3 million people going to be there, you probably would have prepared something. Yeah. You probably would have gone, I've not, I know some stuff that's going to work. Mm. So it's, it's alien to me, but I also understand it. So I can't get that, that mad at it. It's weird. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting that, isn't it? What um you say about, I did a gig at the uh, Cheltenham Literature Festival. And afterwards, um, lady said, uh, oh, is this bit in this book? And I was like, what? Um, she said, this piece is that on there. I've got it on my, um, office wall. And I'd never paid that piece of writing any attention really since I read it and liked it enough to want to put it in a book. But then I read it and I thought, oh, yeah, I, I could see what she maybe got out of it. I love it. It's, 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 Something that's always interested me with you is what your relationship is with what you do. Mm. I feel, uh, because again, for people who don't know, you kind of came up through spoken word, but there's comedy in there and you moved into comedy. It felt to me as if you were reluctant to call what you do comedy just for fear of expectation. 
every show I've seen of yours has, I mean, again, it's a rare, I've noted it on here. You're the only person I can think of that every time I've seen you, I've laughed loads and I've cried every time. Mm. Every time I've been to one of your shows, I've cried. And that's at times going in, going, he's not going to get me this time. I know how it works. (laughs) I know what's going on. And it's got me every time it's got me emotionally. But what's been your kind of journey on that? Because it feels now you're at a place where you're more comfortable knowing what you are and what you do than you maybe were four or five years ago. Yeah. I'm starting to write a new show now about crowds called The Crowd Show. And that will be just coming from the same place, really, of sitting down, trying to think of an idea. No, putting a putting a word in the middle of a spider diagram. So since 2000, for the people listening who have never seen me or anything like that, then, which will obviously be the vast majority, but there's... there's um, since 2012, I've gone up to the Edinburgh Festival and did a show on each. On a, I did a show all about the colour yellow, then I did a show all about the sky, then faces, then water, then sleeping, then hair, then talking, then time. And now I'm doing a new show about crowds. And every time it's just sit down, what do I want to write about? And because I've done a few shows now, and a lot of the time, my favourite parts of the show are when it's, when I'm, talking to the crowd mm. and the ad-libbing and um, trying to make magic happen in the moment that could never have happened before. That's why I'm doing a new show about that. But on a more general point, I think I love uh, make trying to make, not trying to make people laugh. I love making myself laugh. Yeah. And if I can make myself laugh, then I'm, halfway there with it really it's what i loved about the time show was it was the the performance i saw of that Mm. it was the most i'd felt i'd seen you making yourself laugh and enjoying yourself up there and it it was really it was was beautiful to see because again every time it's also the same every time i've seen you the reaction has been amazing like you were the was it the second most highly reviewed show at the fringe for yeah, was the, it the sky show the one before that no i did one, the hair show no i did one, one? about talking the, the talk, t- show. About talk show and then the time show was the 13th highest one but it's uh i don't put that on the posters but it was um <laughs> again i love that you get those stats but they are always really highly reviewed but i always mm. know from knowing you personally that you do go through a lot of i don't know if it's good i'm not sure how i feel about it i'm not mm. sure if the reactions are right yeah because th- you care you care deeply about your shows about it, yeah. i think which is it- it's an unusual thing in comedy it's quite cool in comedy to be ah whatever i'm mm. just gonna do my thing if they don't get it or whatever else but you or um who am i thinking of R- R- rich wilson spoke about this like i chatted to him at the fringe this year and he spoke about admitting that he really gives a shit if people are there and if it it goes well and you're meant to not you're you're meant to pretend you don't but you're someone who from day one has been quite clear that no i care about this it, it really matters to me this is 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 my life kind of thing it is yeah and i think the reason is because it's always come from um an art project kind of way really yeah and um for me you've got to take art seriously. And I'm not saying it's art. I'm saying that if you sit down and create anything 
from scratch that didn't exist and it exists because you're alive i think that that's art yeah uh, or, and you, you've come up with it and it's you've created it and i started laughing more in my shows i think because i'm the older i get the more absurd everything reveals itself to be like i thought <laughs> when i when i was a child you know i've got some bits in my book like when i was little i didn't know what a dog was i still feel the same now <laughs> but I, I didn't know what a dog was but i like them i still feel the same way now and what annoys me or, or what f- gets the fire that I need to want to keep traipsing around the country doing gigs, I love doing it, but there's no doubt about it, it is a slog, mm. is just that feeling of what, how can this, how can everything be so normal? How can How can we all be so accepting of it? People should be in the streets like applauding the sun for us just being alive and us being so so perfectly placed for us to exist at the same time as flipping avocados and just be like <laughs> i can't get my head around all this stuff like cows having eyes and tongues and legs and me having legs and you know humans recreating other humans and dogs having other dogs and blue tits having other blue tits it's like whoa you know and just trying to stay excited about that and just try to just go off on one and be like look this is magic and no matter what i mean we're you know we we said we we weren't going to talk about it but we are recording this the night after the election result yeah and for those people to come into my life and pollute it yeah it just doesn't seem fair yeah and I know that's not just my political point of view. I don't think that there should be... I just... Maybe it is this childlike thing of just thinking, I don't think people should kill each other with guns. And I don't think that rich people should be able to get away with some of the stuff they get away with. And I don't think people who lie should be in positions of power. Like when I went through... When I was a little kid, I went through a stage of lying, right? And um, I think... When uh, when I was about, I don't know, 12 or something. No, it must have been about 14. My parents had a bottle of cider in the kitchen and um, I would get home from school and drink a little bit. Maybe it was about 15. And I'm sure that they were saying, have you been drinking this? And I was like, no. Have you, have you been drinking? And then some other found out that I did it. And the biggest telling off I've ever had was for lying. Yeah. And they went in on me so hard that I never, I just don't do it now. Yeah. It's just easier to, even if it's a little thing and I'm like, well, I could just, I could, but it's like, no, it's just better to be like, just tell the truth. And that's why I look at these politicians and think, why? Surely everyone wants everyone to be okay. Yeah. I walk around in the street and I'm like, are you... Are you okay? I don't say that to people, but it's what I'm thinking. Because yeah. I know that it's selfish, but I would feel safer if I thought that everyone was having an all right life. Yeah. yeah, yeah because yeah. they wouldn't, all these people, like you see these people doing horrific crimes in uh, the newspapers. And a lot of the time I just go back to, I start thinking about them as, as children, like when they were born and their parents holding them when they were little and, it's like Charles Bukowski says about 
Oh, I'm going to misquote it, but it's, it is basically saying all these people were born with hope in mind. Mm. No. And like, it just, it, it saddens me so much that the like, money and I'm just thinking about just like, we've got such a short amount of time here. And it seems to be that there's a very few amount of people who will, who are intent on spoiling it. It's like, don't spoil it. When you see these like helicopter gunships and stuff, stuff like that. And, and Donald Trump talking about how he killed someone in a bunker and he was like crying like a dog and things like that. You're like flipping it. How out of hand has this got? And why has it got like this? And yeah, maybe, but it's just, it's just such a spiraling thing. And that is what drives me to want to create, create something that I believe has got worth to it. And is good and is true. And that's why all the shows are about the sky, water, hair, sleeping, faces, time, talking, the colour yellow, crowds. Because it's not temporary like someone like... If I wrote a thing about Boris Johnson, in 20 years I'd look back at it and be like, wow, you're wasting your time. Why did you write write that? Yeah. And whereas if I write something about the sky, I know that the sky's going to be there. Yeah. Wait, it might, and that's the thing with the with the, the whole climate stuff. It's like, look, just yeah. Anyway, but no, no, I I love it, and it's 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 it is that spiraling thing, and it's it's weirdly that's it was that outlook again, or the spiraling thing of people taking things for granted and anything. Mm. You know, it starts at small things, but then it goes to taking for granted that people are going to be homeless. Mm. Right, we shouldn't be taking that for granted, or taking for granted that uh, people are going to be poor, or people are going to have to be killed, or yeah. all these other things. And I think that was the thing that first excited me when I saw you live was hearing you talk about that excitement about things like dogs having eyes, yeah, yeah, nose, yeah, and yeah. a tongue, and you having eyes, nose, and a tongue, and it being genuine. Mm. I did f- photography at uni for a year. And I dropped out. I was in Wolverhampton. But the amount of people who would get confused by me, because I love doing photography, but also it blew my mind and it still blows my mind that there was this thing that was there Mm. and we've got this little box and we press it and we've captured that moment. Like if light has reflected, we've captured that moment and it's here and we've got a document of it. And that genuinely was and still is mind blowing to me. And I think because we've got cameras on our phones now and stuff like that, it, it doesn't mean a thing, but the th- the thing that that photo represents was a real life thing. It was mm. a real thing that you couldn't just grab. <clears throat> like you couldn't grab this whole living room, mm. yet you've grabbed it and captured it in this picture. Mm. And stuff like that blows my mind. And I think it is that spiral of the more we take all of these things for granted, the more we can gloss over the horrific things and they don't seem so bad. And Trump's a prime example of that. The mm. first time he said something ridiculous, people were like, you can't say that. And then he said 30 more ridiculous things in that interview. And it started to become, and same with Boris. It's like, oh, it's Boris. Oh, he's, he hid in a fridge to avoid an interview. Ah, mm. oh, Boris. So like, what? Yeah. That's, it's mad that, that, that all those things can be taken for granted. Yeah. I, I feel like we need some superheroes and it, it's just, I don't know. I just get, I'm getting to a stage now where, I've done Edinburgh a fair bit and um, I've had some things happen in like when I've been working where I thought, oh, that that's good. That'll make me happy that like, I don't know, 
be doing a short set on television yeah on a on a satellite channel or whatever i was like oh yeah i'd love to get on there and then i did it and i was pleased to did it and it was challenging and then i've started doing some a tiny little bit of acting stuff and i thought that i mean it is good to challenge yourself and to do things like that but over the past maybe three or four years one thing that i did that made me feel more was i was outside um and I hope this isn't just one of the bits that you, you're like, he's got his bits. It isn't. No, no, <laughs> this is, um, I was in Edinburgh and I'd just been in FOP. Yeah. So it's on the other side of Princes Street and outside, um, Sainsbury's, there was a woman and she was, she was in a bad way and she was asking for money. And, um, I didn't have any change, but I, I went in and, uh, went, so I walked past her and went into Sainsbury's and, the thing is, every time I see someone who's homeless or on the street, I feel like it should smack you between the eyes and force you into action. Yeah. But it doesn't for, for, for me. Um, but she was behind me on the, on the self checkouts and she's got like a baguette and, um, some, I don't know, I think like some lettuce or, and some cheese and, um, she was, piling her coins into the self-service thing. And I just got five, a five pound note and just put it into the self-checkout. Mm. And then she looked at me and I was like, there, there you go. And then, you, you know, she had the money and that, that what, what I, it wasn't much, but it was such a, um, the feeling I got from doing that, and that is, it's not in a selfish way. I wasn't just doing it to feel good, but the, the way that it made me feel was, oh, I want, I want more of that. I'd yeah. like to help people. Yeah, and that's why um, one of my girlfriend's friends does a thing, South London Cares, where they pair people up, young people with old people who don't have too many people in their lives anymore. And um, I'd love to do that. And I guess at the moment, like doing gigs and things like that is, uh, I don't know, I don't want to sound too worthy, but just try and do something good and give people an hour or something where this crowd show, like because the election went the way it did last night, I woke up and I was depressed, but I thought, right, I need to work twice as hard to make twice as good a show. Yeah. Just to, just for myself. Yeah. Because the worse it gets and the more depressed I feel about the state of the world, you've got to be like, right, turn yourself on. And it's like Wayne Coyne says from the Flaming Lips, turn yourself on and turn yourself up as loud as it can go. Instead of trying to make it more palpable for everyone, just like get energized yeah. and get mobile and do it. Well, and, and just, um, fill yourself and just try and be a good person. And I think that's it. It's like, it's got nothing to do with, um, being popular or people trying to come and see your show it's just like right this i've been born i think i've been born with a certain amount of, i've got an ability to i love writing i love writing down ideas and being like is this good is this good is this good no 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 is this good well that might work i'll try that let's do that let's do that and then it's just like trial and error trial and error trial and error right let's do this i'll go do it right it dies on its ass right do it again do it again do it again try and get it to a point where you're just like right 
come on, and just, just testing yourself, isn't it? It's like you yeah. do a lot of exercise, don't you? Yeah, like, yeah, I like my exercise. Same with that. It's like just pushing yourself. Oh, ex- I mean, you've 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 stumbled onto something perfect there because it, it ties into two things that I've uh, weirdly w- w- one of them I was thinking about on the drive over here today. But you, you say about pushing yourself and making making change mm. and. I think that can sound intimidating to people. It can sound like a lot of work. Mm. They've got a lot of other things to deal with, but it doesn't have to be. Um, And the exercise thing is an easy example because the thing that changed exercise for me was stop making it a choice. Just psychologically, I didn't go, oh, oh, do I want to exercise today? I went, I've got to get my exercise done and then I can get on with everything else. I stopped, like it had to be done at some point. Mm. And if you've, I was saying this on one of the other podcasts recently. If you've worked in an office, if your boss tells you to do something, it just has to be done. Yeah. You, you don't go, oh, I don't want to do that. I, it's like, I, I need to get that done and then I can go with it. And that's some bloke that you don't care about and that is earning money more than you. Yeah. <laughs> you allow him to make you do that. And you can do, you can make a similar change. And the reason it ties in, I was thinking on the train in, uh, sorry, on the drive in. There's a guy, a homeless guy, at Fenchurch Street Station, and I go into Fenchurch Street for London all the time. And when I've got some change, I give it to him. And he's a lovely guy. I've chatted to him a few times. He's a really nice dude, um, but he's always there. And I was thinking on this on this journey, I was like, I could make it the norm that I always give him a pound every time I go past. The same as it's a reflex now that I tap in and tap out at train stations. Mm. I don't think about that. I think, have I got two quid or three quid or can I afford it or whatever I do it because I have to and that's the norm and again when I'm coming into Fenture Street I've paid 16 or 17 quid for my ticket I've not thought about oh can I or can't I've gone I need to yeah. I'm going in so it was that thing I was like well I could make it an easy conscious thing that I need to have a quid if I'm going past that, I need to have a quid to give to that guy. Yeah. That's the f- and a quid is nothing compared to the 16 quid the train company are, mm. are, are ripping off me. And I think that we can all look at things like that that can just become our norms and they won't make a huge difference on our life, but they could make a big difference on someone else's life or a small difference on someone else's life. Yeah. But the more that we can d- do of that, I think the, the better. And I think the problem that a lot of us have i've i've had a lot of i've had a couple of different homeless ch- 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 charities on the podcast and the problem a lot of people have is the bullshit propaganda that 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 we have grown up with in kind of the 80s and 90s the kind of you give them money it'll only make it worse and stuff like that there's been tests done and rutger bregman talks about this there's been countless tests done that all prove that's not the case and there's always that again I, I, i'm sure it was a comedian i heard say it first but he was like yeah, but if you give them the whole, if you give them money, they're only going to spend it on booze. It's like fair enough. Mm. They're living on the street. Mm. I'd probably want a drink or two at the end of each day. It's a fucking, particularly at that point, I don't drink at the moment, but I spend money on booze. Yeah. So why should I be judgmental on someone else who's in a worse situation than me, saying that some of that money is going to go on booze? Some of it will go on food as well and the stuff they need to survive. But this weird judgmentalness and again the the bullshit of oh apparently there's scammers out there who are busking and then they go and stay in an expensive hotel room and stuff like that it's like number one that's a fiction Mm. they don't exist but number two if there is anyone doing that that's a pretty shit situation too that's a pretty desperate situation that that is your life that you're scamming people 
you're pretending to be homeless to scam money. In that situation, have a quid, mate. Have my quid as well, because you are obviously there's some bad shit going on in your life. And I think we get too judgmental on all that stuff and try and find these reasons and and justifications when we could just not think about it. We could just go, well, my default is if I've got some money on me, it's yours. The same as my default would be if I see a shop that sells Krispy Kremes, I'm probably going to get a Krispy Kreme, even though it's not good for me. I can't help it. If it's there, I'm going to get it. It's it's those defaults that we can be more conscious of, rather than, as said, rather than it be this huge thing of I'm going to change my life in that I'm going to volunteer every week at a homeless shelter mm. or this or that, because they're the kind of things that you can quite fairly say, I've got a family, I've not got time, or I've or work's really hard at the moment, I need to cancel that. It doesn't have. If you've got time for big changes as well, then that's even better. But it can be these small incremental things, mm. and I think that's what's overlooked a lot in in society well, these it's, days. It's good habits, isn't it? Like, yeah. With if you start getting into good habits, then so I started running around Victoria Park for the first time. I've never really done any running. Yeah. And from here to there, it's about, I, don't, I think it's about five kilometers. And then I started doing it and I was, I could, was getting no exercise. So I did it in like 46 minutes and I had about 15 stops and it, I was absolute, I, I had to sit down halfway through, I had a bottle of water with me and then I've kept doing it. And then I've got the time down and time down and time down. And every, I just feel, I just feel stronger as a person and it just makes me feel better than I was before I did the running, before I did the run. And that feeling of self-worth, I feel that if I can move that into other areas of just making me, if I can make myself into a better person, not just through fitness, but getting other habits in other areas of, yeah, I am going to be more open to sitting down and talking to people who are on the street and just trying to find out what their deal is. Because, you know, loneliness is such a massive thing. Imagine, you know, some people might have been to a festival and you're on your own or you lose your mates for a a little bit of time and you don't know anyone. That's a massive... um, But imagine being in London and just like not knowing anyone and not have it oh god man it's just it's just i just know when i when i did the glastonbury thing and i went there on my own because i was doing it for this this uh poetry thing and i thought oh it's glastonbury people you know it's people are good there. they'll chat you know and stuff and i tried to um make some conversations with a few different groups but because it's so hard to get tickets now people go and they are invested in that group of mates that they've got. Yeah, it's, the, it's that experience that they've paid money for I think that they so. need to make the I most mean, out of. It might be a massive generalisation. I'm sure there's people who have gone to Glastonbury and have made new friends there. But if I was going, I went on my own and I, th- I thought, no, actually, it feels kind of shut off. Mm. And um, so I thought, ah, maybe I'm just not very good at um, speaking to new people. And it doesn't help when you're completely naked. <laughs> um, I mean, again, it goes. It, it's, it's another example of, and uh, not that this is a whole episode on on homelessness, but I think it's a valid thing that's come up n- naturally here. It's another example of doing that rewind mm. of going right. Th- that isn't just a homeless person. That was at some point 
someone's child and it was a small kid and they were at school and all of this. And there's been a journey to get here and that's, that's heartbreaking. Mm. And, uh, and that's what we don't uh, look at. We, it's the dehumanization yeah. of, of people, I guess. But it's They're the a same, thing rather yeah. than a person. Same as the elderly as well. Like people I speak to say that, you know, once you get past a certain age, you do kind of become a bit invisible. Yeah. And people don't pay the attention, you know, if you're to walk into a pub when you're 25 or whatever. And uh, it's just this thing of like humanity is so rich and in such different all the different people and everything like that and you're just like oh wow but this planet is a fantastic what what i can't believe it look at look at all these people look and i've got it in my shows where i'm like look at all these people are out to talk to we never even said hello did we and it's like i know that when you because i'm spend a fair bit of time in the in the flat like writing and stuff or on trains where you're not really talking to anyone i I know that if i have um a day where i speak to five different people on the telephone and have maybe like a 15 minute conversation i feel so much better yeah and just that thing and and getting to people um just finding out how people are yeah and just going are you all right and then just really trying to get down to it and, and um create those moments of how are you doing? You know, are you, are you all right? Have you got anything you want to talk about? And, and just, um, because that is where the, that is where the, the feelings come from. Yeah. How you make people feel. And that is what it's all about for me in, in the shows and everything like that. So going back to your question was about the making people laugh or whatever. There's a famous quote of it. It's, they won't remember all that people will remember is how you made them feel. Yeah. Like in a show, it's like, oh, whatever, if a piece of art or a flipping Christmas tree or whatever, make them feel something. If you can make them feel something, then, and I think that's it. It's so much more rememberable. Re- like I, I, when I, you know, I watch The Office and The Royal Family and Flowers and all that stuff. I love all that stuff. Yeah. But it's the moments where they make me feel something, not just laughing at a stapler in a load of jelly, you know? Yeah. And um, that's good too. It is. It is the no, moment. Yeah, I think the, that's the, it. That, yeah. The make you feel, isn't it? Yeah. It's ex- it, exactly that. Um, I've, I, again, I've probably said this a million times, but the podcast has been a huge thing for my own mental health because mm. I'm not great at, I'm good at isolating myself. I'm not great at just making the effort to go out and have conversations with strangers or with whomever else. Yet the podcast means I have what, averages out at an hour a week but like for example i've recorded a podcast for the last a different podcast each day for the last three days yeah yeah and they've been really good conversations and like my partner will say like how did they go and i'll just be like it was great and i won't have I'll, i won't be able to pick anything specific out but i was like it was just such a nice conversation it was really good to have that interaction and and have that so that i mean just it's it's a weird link now but we should talk at some point about your podcast because mm. it's 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 exciting to me because it's not another interview podcast because there's a lot of them there's a lot I, I love them but there's a lot of them mm. what is your podcast and what's kind of the motivation behind it the motivation behind it is me just wanting to share ideas that i've had with people yeah and i think that is one of your when you were talking about you know this m- capturing a moment in the photography like you've yeah. always been big on that haven't it when you said let's record a cd 
And then there was a, there was a bit when you were talking about filming stuff and just yeah. making stuff, trying to capture these things. Yeah. Document it. Yeah. 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 So it's there and this moment mm. exists. And I think that's what I have wanted to do with it is just get all this stuff that's in my notebooks and has been in the shows and stuff that didn't make it into the shows and stuff that I just like enough to want to share with people um, and just record it, put some music behind it sometimes. And then each episode is like three minutes, some are six minutes. And then I, hopefully I'll put on some like live recordings of previews I did that went all right or, yeah. and, um, and it's just called the Rob Orton daily podcast. And it's going to be literally daily, right? Yeah. So it'll just be three minutes of just, you know, little ideas or, um, some stories and some, um, prose and just, just bits of writing that I like enough to want to get out there. And instead of it, me trying to go and do a show for three minutes every day and travel into it. I just will record it and um, put it out there and uh, that will be it really. I love it because again, uh, uh, <laughs> it's hard to not bring things back to the election constantly. But I think one of the biggest issues has been that is London. Mm. Is that L London f feels like, oh, everything's good. It's all so liberal and there's all these changes, but, but it's not reaching out to the, out of reaches of, of 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 the country and it's a similar thing there even if you tour it's in these big places i love the idea of the reason i like podcasts is everyone anywhere can have them and l listen to them and take them in and they're for everyone you don't have to if you're someone who is in the middle of nowhere where no one ever tours well you can have this podcast still you can't go to a live show but you can have this or you or, or you're someone who's not comfortable at live events who doesn't like crowds well you can still have this mm. this is still for you that's what excited me w w when you were saying about doing this and the fact again i love the fact it's it's daily and it could it could be two minutes it could yeah. be 10 minutes it's i i like that kind of as as weird as it sounds and negative as it sounds i like the disposable nature of that. Yeah. The fact that it's just there, enjoy it if you want. It's not an hour long show. An hour long show has to have so much more value to you because you've built it and you've done this big thing. Whereas this, you can go, here's something. If one person likes it, cool. If no people like it, all right. Yeah. There's another one tomorrow. Hopefully 10 people will like that one. Exactly. And so on. And I think it'll be maybe. Well, it's hopefully it's something that people can kind of listen to a few at a time. Yeah, but it's just a it's just a way of sharing something. It's like having a doing a painting, and instead of me just looking at it, trying to put it on the internet and seeing if people like it, and and uh, it's just a case of testing myself. And the main thing is that it's got me writing more, even yeah. though I've got a got to write another show it's like it's just there is nothing creatively that i i just i just love having a little idea writing down and it going somewhere else yeah i i, I like it as an outlet because i know that if you're so focused on a show there's going to be stuff that comes to mind that you then would normally have to discard because it doesn't fit the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas now it's got a home. It's like I can spend, even if it's spending 10 minutes on that, mm -hmm. I can just see that thought I've had out to its fruition and go, there you go. That's not for the show, but it's it's happened yeah. and it's, it's documented as such. I think that's why I want it just for it to be the 
robots and daily podcast is because I never want to feel that I've got to do anything in a certain way for anyone and just try and be as free as I can be to, because that's what I wanted to feel like. I remember when I was in the, used to work in an art shop because I'd started doing gigs on the side and then I was a stockroom assistant and uh, worked on the shop floor in an art shop selling art supplies and uh, one morning we'd had this big delivery of canvas and I was just I was just crying in the morning thinking I just want to do I just want to do what I want to do and I want to do it my way and I want to do it and I'm going to do it and I was so frustrated and it's the same with anything you know the Edinburgh shows okay, I'm going to do this show, I'm going to make it about crowds and I'm just going to do it how I want to do it and just try it and see if it's got any value and not let people go, ah, oh, no, you shouldn't do it like that, you shouldn't do it like this. And then and that's for me to make that decision in yeah. five years' time when I look back at it and I can see my own mistakes. But if it feels right at the time and I'm going at it, I'm going, yeah, 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 yeah. And getting that kick of, of going, yeah, this feels good. This feels good, and then you're going right, do, 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 do. and then it, you know, it might you might look at it the day after and go, God, that was that was crap. What was I thinking about there? And it goes back to the whole risk of it all, yeah. and like the fluidity of everything, and the, your brain doing this thing. Like I've had my brain at the moment has started doing something where it, f- it feels like v- not vertigo, but I have these surges of whoa. I thought I was going to pass out then. Yeah. So that's something that I'm probably going to go and get checked out. But um, yeah, it's, it's. I feel that we're made up of so much science, and science gets disproved every like five. You know, it within. Yeah. You know, people people think something's real, and then hundred years time, they're like, "Oh my god, can you believe that they believe that?" Yeah. Yeah. And it's, 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 it's that's what makes me think that everything's up for grabs, and I think that's why I want to make stuff. It completely is. I, I love that as well. And it's, it's something I've been m- m- mainly learning about from my brother because he's far cl- cleverer than me. But yeah. as a teen, I, I, this is a weird tangent, but it makes sense, I promise. As, te- as, as a kid, I, was, I went to a Catholic school. I was brought up as a Catholic. As a teen, I was like, religion is stupid. It's ridiculous. And I was anti it. Mm. And then I was just nonplussed about it. And in recent years, d- discussing stuff, stuff with my my brother is that it makes me think for example the ricky gervais outlook of science is everything religion is stupid that's ignorant and i love ricky i think he's great but because the thing that my brother was talking about again number one a lot of science came from religious scholars they were the first to start thinking these 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 outlandish things but then science is so restricted it's it's only in its own little section and religion again not that i'm pro any religions or religious but religion at least looks at the stuff that we can't explain with science and something as stupid and simple as the soul there is something i don't know that i believe it's a soul but it's something that science can't define and there's so much that science i can't define you go to well like maths Mm. like like the the concept of 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 two plus four that's not a physical thing Two plus four, as like we're not talking about two apples plus four apples. Just two plus four, it's not a physical, tangible thing. Yeah. It's something that's purely in our heads, 
and that's outside of science because we can't do that. But then equally, everyone says that maths is is absolute. It's not because infinity is endless, but infinity plus one is more than infinity. Mm. They're both endless, but that's more because it's plus one. So there's 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 so many. It's like it is like there's yeah, there's yeah. so many areas that we can't explain with science, and that's where religion is exciting. But all, equally, art and philosophy and all these other things. That's where it's exciting because they they can't say for certain that this is right or wrong, but they're going to have a go and they're going to think about it and try. And that's what I love about art is, as you were saying there, you, can, you, you can't know in this moment if this show is right, but you reckon it is and you're going to try it. Mm. And you might look back in five years, as you said, and go, I was wrong there, but you tried it. And it, it wasn't being tried anywhere else. No one else could do that. I had, I had Kevin Smith on recently. And he spoke about his big realisation in recent years was no one else is making Kevin Smith films. Mm. So why was he all of a sudden tr- tr- trying to make Hollywood films? He's like, he's the only person who can make Kevin Smith films. His argument was he's the only person who would want to make Kevin Smith films, but he's the only person who can. And that means it's important, uh, whether you like them or not, following that vision of, of Rob Alton rather than a version of Rob Alton that someone has told you, well, what you need to do is you need to change this and turn this part up and turn that part down. It's like, well, it's, anyone can do that. Yeah. Not anyone can do, you know, that singular vision. But yeah, that's what, that is what, that's the only thing that we've got that's unique is yourself, isn't it? And it's like, I'm going talk about religion. I, I haven't really got into um, the fact that people believe different things, I think is great. Yeah. But I just, I haven't, really, I haven't engaged with it for quite a long time, but there was um, a bit from the Bible the other day. Someone had quoted a, a bit of a verse, and I thought, God, that's that's great. That's, I think maybe because I've been reading so much about politics and things like that, this, this bit was a really good small section about life and just going back to what we were talking about or trying to be the best version of yourself. Yeah. And you know, through, through exercise or being more um, giving or listening to people more. And I was like, wow, I can really see why, you know, it might not be off the table. It might I might get into it and be like, oh, actually, yeah. there's some really good lessons in this. Yeah. And even though that people have, you know, have, have written it and this is, it's still writing by people and I love writing yeah, and I love people having ideas and putting words together. It's everything that becomes attached to all these things that I you know, can instantly I know, but, go, I don't, I don't yeah, approve but, of that. I don't know. But, but, but again, that's thing, not yeah. the core of it. No. If people started weird beliefs based around your hair show, mm. it wouldn't change what the hair show was. It no. would change what these people have put into it and change and done this. It's yeah. still... And again, I think you're completely right. The Bible, from from what I remember, it's a bloody good bit of writing. Mm, no, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's a cracking bit of literature. But it, it's the same with um, football. When people go and watch it, they don't... I know you, know, you have problems with hooliganism and things like that, but they take it for what it is and it's they go and, and buy into it. But really, it is just... It's like you say about maths and things like that. It's what we humans are putting ourselves onto it and being like yeah this is us this is what monkeys aren't doing this this is this is this is us it's like we're this makes us more and we can feel this it's about feeling things it's difficult in maths isn't it because it's like there's a yeah people take numbers very seriously yeah it's just like 
the whole thing with the time show. It's like, yeah, it's numbers and you better be on time. It's like, what? Yeah, well, this is what we do because we're humans and this is what we're like. And it's one of the sections I loved of the, of the time show where you did question pretty much the concept of time and w- w- watches and all of us agreeing on how it first came about to who decided what time it was and then everyone agreed to that. Yeah. All stuff like that. It's like, yeah, that's fucking mind-blowing. It's, it's something that we just take for granted. It's like, oh, it's six o'clock. Yeah. So it, who says? Yeah. Well, everyone... I think that's when it. When did we all agree? I didn't sign into no, this. Exactly. I didn't agree to that. But that's what makes me think we can all agree on that. Why can't we all agree on let's make this country better for everyone? I yeah. think it's because... Hmm. I don't, I don't know if I've got an answer for that. But I do think that when you see that and see the... You're walking down the street and you're like, wow, there's loads of... Or in the supermarket, you're like, look at all these wine bottles that are still on the shelf. No one's taken them off and smashed them. There's loads of car windows that aren't getting broken. Yeah. It can actually be quite good and people can be like, oh, yeah, they're, they're all right. Yeah, this is all quite in order. And I think we've evolved to this point where we're, we're actually, everything's so ordered. That, like, I was thinking yesterday when the election, I was like, okay, so it's the election today, but the Queen might die as well. And, you know, Taylor Swift might die today as well. And I was like, isn't it strange how everything just seems to be quite laid out? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, yesterday yeah. could have properly kicked off. Yeah. Not just with the election, but there could have been loads of like carnage somewhere or like just a, like a massive, oh, it's just, I was like, wow, actually it seemed, it seems to be quite calm. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And we don't like it when it's not though. Cause like I, I always use the example, I, I joke about it, but, I always say that I'm convinced that 2016 didn't actually happen. I know. And it's all just changed. And it's all gone off because <laughs> yeah, 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 Prince yeah. died, Bowie died, Brexit happened, Trump got elected. Just so much stuff in that that's like, no, that's not how it goes. That's mm. not how it goes. There was so much in one year that I was like, nah, yeah, yeah, nah, yeah, yeah. I'm not having it. This is this didn't happen. This is nonsense. <laughs> there was too much yeah. that, that broke that order that you're speaking of, that kind of order of here's how things go, good or bad, Mm. here's how things go. There was so much that was like, just so far out of that, that it was like, what? I'm not sure about this year. I'm not sure if that really happened. It's, yeah. (laughs) It's confused. Anyway, I'll start to wrap things up as we've we've got over an hour now. Mm. Another thing that I like about the idea of your podcast is that it's like a year-long advent calendar. And I really like advent calendars. At the moment, I've got, a Reese's Pieces advent, no, a Reese's P- peanut butter cup advent calendar right. that I saw on who posted. Oh, my partner's mate Flick posted on Instagram, and I was instantly like, "I need one of them." Yeah, and I don't have an advent calendar every year, but I saw this one. I was like, "I need that in my life," and it's genuinely a thing that gives me joy each day at the moment. I'll mm. go, "Oh, it's." My, I normally open it in the evening for some reason as, as my little end of day treat. I'm like, "Oh, I'm gonna have my little mm. my thing." So what I wanted. To, to ask you as I think it's a good place to kind of end on is what things bring you joy at the moment in your life. There's again, we could talk for hours about the things that are stressing us out, particularly with the election or whatever, but what things bring you joy as small as they are or as big as they are. We spoke before about, like I get genuine joy playing FIFA at the moment because Mm. it's the, I'm not good at leisure and FIFA I found is a way that I can switch off. I'll have a podcast on in the background 
and I'll just play a game for even if it's half an hour. It just gives me that little hit. So yeah, what what brings you joy, Rob Alton? Well, I think I'm in a relationship at the moment where a part of the joy of that is like having conversations and just that really. Um, maybe thinking that something's going to go somewhere and having a bit of hope. Yeah. And I love running now, even though it's awful and it kills me. What uh, gives me joy? I don't know. I do feel like I'm getting to know my parents in a different way. It's weird. I was speaking to someone the other day and Laurie from Banks of the Gun and it was like, you know, people say life's short, but feels quite long. I agree. Me. I think it feels really long. And I was I'm like, God, I, I, I'm, I'm enjoying it at the moment, but also it's after find it, you know, we're talking about joy, aren't we? So it's, I think, um, <laughs> it, it's a tough question to spring, but I think it's, re- it's relevant because I think it's something that we don't think about much. I yeah. Think, I think it's really easy to focus on the bad things in the world. I spoke about this with my partner recently that she was saying how, how shit it is that this is happening or that is happening. And I was like, but someone in the world has just had a pizza delivered and it's a really good pizza and they really wanted it. And it's not been a shit one. It's one that they've opened it and gone, oh, this looks like a fucking great pizza. Mm. And we don't think about the small bits of joy or the big, big bits of joy. Mm. And I think that's a, I think it's partly a social media thing, but I think that's, 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 that's one of the problems. So, well, we live opposite Lidl and going in there, and getting vegetables for a decent price. Yeah. Having an unscathed session on the uh, self-service checkout where there's no <laughs> snags on it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Getting like a clean run. It's almost like, um, <laughs> uh, yes, going back to the uh, Takeshi's Castle thing. But um, I love that. And it's, yeah, I think one of the best things is I'm working with a producer, Ben, on the podcast. And when we do things and it, we're putting music behind it, and when that, when that clicks, um, I'm like, oh, yeah, God, I, I like that. And that's good. I don't know. I'm getting joy from, I mean, I'm 37 now. Yeah. And I can feel myself changing, like my hair is thinning out. And I look at myself and I'm like, Hmm. Well, I've kept myself alive for this long. I should be quite proud of myself for that. But then, sometimes I did a gig the other night, and I was like, I feel, I think I might be the oldest person in here. That is mad yeah. when that starts happening. Yeah. Because I look at people on the TV, and I think, oh, I wonder what I'll be like when I'm their age. I wonder if I'll have achieved what they've achieved. And then you look it up, and they're like thirty-one. Yeah, I have it constantly. It seems like a weird one, but we've. Me and my brother watch UFC a lot, yeah. and fighters yeah. just feel older than, totally, than, totally. than they are. Oh, we'll watch someone and be like, it, "It was only a few years back that we started doing this regularly." But it'll be like, "He's he's six years younger than me," and I'll be like, "He's, <laughs> he's four years younger yeah, than yeah, me," and he looks yeah, yeah. like he's and he's a veteran who we've watched for years. Yeah. And they'd be like, "How how has that happened?" But I think I'm getting a certain amount of. You've got to get joy in the fact that you know if you can overcome the demons of going. Oh, I don't want to get old, I'd, but it's, I, I feel that if I can master that and just go, yeah, I do actually. Yeah. Because what's the alternative? And all these people who are eighteen, it's like I've done that. 
I've yeah. been there. I've, I've got there and I've lived for twice as long as that. I've gone, I've done this. I've kept drinking water. I've kept eating. I've kept myself alive. And like, you know, when these people who are much older than that, it's like good on you. And it yeah. should be, should be celebrated. And these people, I know that it's like, yeah, it's um, so stuff like that. You've got to try and find joy where you can find it. And it's like, just, um, yeah. S- surviving i completely agree a, a, a mate of mine had their birthday recently mm. and they were really glum because they were like oh i'm 28 or something like that and i'm, I'm 38 so yeah. i've got a year on you but on that i was like i'm excited every time i g- g- get older now because again like with, with yourself in the year between 36 and 37 mm. you've created a completely new show mm. and you've performed it and it's meant something to people that's great that means aging is a good thing because you're, yeah. you're 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 doing something and it's 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 yeah. continuing. We've not talked about acting at all, but acting has changed my outlook on aging as well because the stuff I've learned in my first four years of acting, I feel I've improved hugely, mm. and it makes me really excited to think. Imagine ten years time. Imagine how much better I'll be and how much I will have learned. And then imagine yeah. twenty years time because I'm the same previously, and there is still a bit of it. I've not looked at life like that. I completely, the thing I've related to the most was when you kind of paused on the idea of life's too short. Cause mm. I've had exactly that. I, at about 24 or 25, I was like, I don't know if I can, can do another 24, 25 years of this. Mm. And that'll just be f- 50. Like that feels like a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even now 38, I'm like, if, if I maintain health, I've got possibly as much as I've already lived to go still. And that scares me and feels exhausting. Yeah. I'm, I feel, I think I fear life a lot more than I fear death. Because mm. again, that just feels like that's such a long time. I'm quite tired now. Mm. But that's a lyric, that is, isn't it? I yeah. Feel, I feel life more than I feel death. Oh, it sounds like <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's but that's definitely. it. That's why, you know, that's why when I put that thing on, that's my favourite clock on the underground. It was a picture of the underground clock and each, there wasn't any numbers on it. And there was just underground signs. And you put, it's always underground the clock. Yeah. It's like, uh, it is. That's why. But it's just. It's just. It. It, but I tell you what. That thing about um, getting older and what I cannot get my head around is how time speeds up the older you get. It's yeah, like, and yeah, Billy yeah. Conley's got a whole thing about it, hasn't he? Where it's like, this is my day, and he he acts it out. Birthday is the do 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 all doing his little dances, whatever. And um, it's it's a brilliant bit. But I think that the Time does feel like it speeds up, but if you just watch a clock all day, it's going to be boring. But what it makes me want to do is try and put more into each day. Then when it's speeding up and life's getting quicker and quicker and quicker, you're still going to have as much work when you look back at it. It's just that it will have felt like it's gone quicker. Whereas, And so you can make a pile of stuff. But it feels like it's gone quicker. But as long as you subscribe to each day and you're like, right, I've got this, 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 this. But then, you know, your body starts, it's harder to do stuff. And you're like, Aah. yeah. But then I look at, you know, like Ivor Cutler. And when when I saw that with Prince Philip and he was 90, how old was he when he crashed his car? Like 90 or something? Yeah. I was like, I don't want to be having to drive when I'm 90. Have I really got to live for that long? But anyway. Anyway, I'll... I'll wrap things up there. What is, is there anything else that you want to t- 
tell people about. Obviously, the Rob Orton Daily Podcast yeah. is going to be out now at this point. It would have been out for a while. There could be a good load for people to get their teeth into. Yeah. Um, I'm so, a, a, a social media and whatnot. Are yeah. you a fan of it or are you... Is it a love-hate? Yeah, um, it is a bit of a love-hate thing. I do... I am, I am on it, at Robert Orton and at Rob Orton, and it's all on the... At Rob Orton Daily Podcast is the Twitter and the Instagram... It's a difficult beast, isn't it? Yeah, um, it really I is. I mean, I'm going on tour from February until June in the doing a lot of gigs of this time show one. And the, as I said, I can wholeheartedly recommend that. I called it at the Fringe and it was one... Uh, this year was the first year that I wasn't even at the Fringe really f- for a full day. Mm. Yet, I was so pleased I managed to catch you. I caught Rich Wilson and I caught one or two others, I think. But yeah, mm. I... I I wholeheartedly recommend it as a as a show to get out to. Yeah. Well, thanks, man. Thanks for... I remember, yeah, the first time that you got me on the festival. Or well, I've got that as a note that it was... It's my favourite festival moment because I know that you were nervous about it because you were headlining mm. uh, the, the amphitheatre I booked. I knew that you were nervous about it. I was confident, but also I knew that I'd seen you do hour-long shows mm. and all I could give you was like 30 minutes. I was like, is this going to work? And you just came out and you're, I won't d- d- do your opening thing, mm. but it was your, your ladies and gentlemen mm. introduction and the joy in every. And I was backstage, so I was looking at the crowd. The joy in the whole amphitheatre, in the woods outside, It for, from that moment, you you had him and it gave me so much joy because I knew that you were nervous about it I was fairly confident but didn't know because it's not an hour show it's not this lock thing and yeah I bloody loved it well that's what it's about isn't it trying to make those moments and putting the work in so that you can uh, just because everyone's working so hard yeah I want to work hard and just go at it give it some well we still can really I love it. Well, thank you very much, sir. Pleasure. It's been a pleasure. You've been listening to Scroobius Pip's Distraction Pieces. There we go. That was Rob Alton. Um... He's great, isn't he? I hope you enjoyed that. I, I really enjoyed that conversation. As you will have heard, there was a few different things there that we kind of came to some realisations. It was, uh, we almost cancelled the podcast. I, I messaged Rob to say, do you want to do this? Because the election hits people in different ways. And I didn't w- want it to be a moody or reactionary or, or whatever else episode. And it wasn't. I'm really glad that we did it. I got a parking fine because I parked in the Audi car park and uh, I thought I'd get away with it, but I didn't get away with it. So that was a shame. So, you know, this podcast cost me a bit, but um, it's worth it. I think you'll agree. Um, Yeah, as said, subscribe to the Rob Alton Daily Podcast. You you will have heard a bit at the start and now you you, you will now have just heard, you know, an hour of, of... how that wonderful man's brain works. Um, I think he's great. I want to see Rob writing and creating TV shows. I want to see him acting and portraying 
characters in TV shows. I want to see him doing everything. And I want to see him continuing to do his amazing fringe shows and um, and tour shows. So, yeah, there's Rob. Go and follow him. Go and do all the things. Subscribe to his amazing podcast because it's truly wonderful. Um, and I'll be back next week with another Rob, Robert Eggers. Um, hugely excited about this one. The director of The Witch and the director of The Lighthouse. Yeah, he's great. It was a really good conversation. It's the most nervous I've been about a podcast because I was intimidated because I think he's wonderful uh, and I've never met him, but we we hit it off. So yeah, there we go. I will see you all next week. Thank you for tuning in. Go and get your teeth into the Rob Orton Daily Podcast. You can binge the years so far, probably in the length it would take you to listen to one episode of the Joe Rogan Experience or any other long podcast, um, or mine actually. It's probably he's probably only put out an hour's worth. So we're what are we? Twenty two days in, twenty one, twenty two. So yeah, that's only going to be forty minutes, maybe ninety minutes. Anyway. That that's not an interesting bit of maths. Um I'll see you next week. Ta ta